Marcus Sahaba, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Respected listeners of Marcus Sahaba, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, we welcome you to this program. It is the interview segment of our breakfast, uh, spiritual breakfast. Let's welcome Mufti Muhammad Aku Damant Barakatu. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Mufti Sahaba. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Barakallah <laughs> for the opportunity. for explain to us, tell us about Hazrat Isa alayhi salam's birth. Okay, no wonderful, Jazakallah for that opportunity. We want to mention Hazrat Isa alayhi salam's birth and what link does it have with December. Hazrat Isa alayhi salam's birth is explicit in the Quran Kareem, mentioned so clearly and on so many occasions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example, says, وَيُكَلِّمُ النَّاسَ فِي الْمَهْدِ وَكَهْلَى That's a first miracle of Hazrat Isa alayhi salam. But in Surah Maryam, chapter 19, explicitly and expressively, the Qur'an mentions his entire birth, his mother's uh, labor with him. And I would encourage every one of uh, our, our listeners to actually read this incident in the Qur'an al-Kareem Read it in the Arabic because the Arabic is the Quran Sharif. A translation of the Quran is a translation of the Quran. But read it to understand this incident. Hazrat Isa alayhi salatu wasalam, his birth and how he was born, how the angel appeared before his mother, and how she sought Allah's protection when she saw a strange man coming to her. This is clear in the Quran Kareem, and this is such a miracle because Hazrat Isa alayhi salam's mother says to the angel, I seek Rahman, protection from you. She's saying to a strange man, get away from me, what are you approaching me for? And this is the natural reaction of a chaste woman. She doesn't want strangers coming, talking to her or flirting with her. So then the angel took an angelic form and said, that Allah has sent me. Allah gifts you. Allah wants to gift you. A child, Ghulaman, Zakiya. And then she says, How can I have a child? Anna yakunu li ghulam, walam yam bashar. How can I have a child when no male has touched me? Walam aku baghiya, nor am I a woman of indecency. So through halal or through haram, no male has ever touched me. And then the angel says to her that this is the command of Allah. This is Allah's decree. When He wants something to happen, it happens as. Allah wants. And some months later, Mufassirin differ as the period, the period of her labor is not mentioned exactly. And then, when she is now going through those labor pains, she now resorts to the wilderness and she goes and there was a tree. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed her where the tree had ripe fruit. Alhamdulillah. And she's told, Shake the tree trunk. The trunk of the tree. It will cause to fall upon the fresh, ripe dates. Hmm. And then she's also told about a stream of water. From here, Mufassirin mentioned the benefit of dates and water especially for a woman in pregnancy. This is beneficial for everybody, especially for a woman in labor toward the latter portion before childbirth. This is extremely beneficial for that stage of a woman's 
you're going to be stoned. And this is something, you know, unex- unacceptable perpetration of adultery. What are the people going to think that she really perpetrated adultery? She's going to be in trouble. So she's worried about that. And she's wishing that Kunto Mastasiyam and Siyah, I wish I was something totally forgotten, not even known at all. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reassures her that you don't worry. You point to your child. And anyway, she takes a vow of fast, a fast of silence. She walks to the community and they start reprimanding her. Ya Ukhta Harun, oh the sister of Harun, meaning one similar to righteous people. You come from such a noble family. And this is also a lesson. Nobility and piety in the parents has a great impact on the child. This is why they're saying, your parents are such righteous people. That your father and mother were not indecent people. How could you have perpetrated such a crime? To Hazrat Maryam, Asharat Ilayhi, she pointed to her child. They said, how can we speak to a child in the cradle? Bil Mahdi Sabiya. And subhanallah, this beautiful Nabi of Allah, Hazrat Isa alayhi salatu wasalam, qala inni abdullah. He spoke and he said, I am Abdullah. I am the servant of Allah Ta'ala. Atani al-kitab. Allah has given me. Wajalani nabiyya. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made me his messenger. Okay, so Hazrat Marana, what, what, what we were explaining is, Hazrat Isa alayhi salam was born miraculously, and then he spoke as a child in infancy. I want to get to the next discussion is that Hazrat Isa alayhi salam was born, but when was he born? It seems from the verses of the Quran in Kareem, he was born in, in times that there was warmth, it was summer, there was ripe dates, also the inference or the clear mention of the Bible as well. There was greenery, there was pastures. It was not something that is understood from how they make it as uh, December. What they make is December is a cold period of the year. It was not how they make it. In Palestine in December, it's icy cold. But they come in. So that's the discussion I want to share with our, our listeners. That December came in as a treachery. Hazrat Isa alayhi salatu wasalam was not born in December. Hazrat Isa alayhi salatu wasalam was born in warm months in the lands of Palestine. But what happened? How did December come about? So there's two people we should remember when it comes to Christianity. And why we should know this is because we live around so many Christians. So the first person we should remember was about approximately 40 to 45 years after Isa alayhi salam. His name was Paul. Now, Paul was actually Jewish, and he hated the Christians. And he used to kill Christians for a living. And he detest, detested them. But one day, he comes out of the blue, and he, he self-claims himself as an apostle. He says, I saw a vision of Isa, of Christ, and he designated me as his apostle. And he started now dictating Christianity to the people. So among the changes he brought about was Isa alayhi salam, something called redemption. If you believe in Isa alayhi salam, as long as you believe, believe in the blood of Christ, you are forgiven. No matter what wrongs you do in life. This was the first blunder and change brought into Christendom many years after Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. The second blunder Paul 
brought about was Isa salam was sent only to Bani Israel. Quran Kareem explicitly mentions this. Hazrat Isa salam is sent to Bani Israel. He's not sent to anybody else. That's why even in the Quran Kareem this is explicit. In the Bible it's mentioned that a woman who was a non-Israelite, she wasn't a Jewish woman, she comes to him for help. She was a Gentile. He refused and said, how can I take the bread of the children and throw it to the dogs? So obviously we don't accept verses like this in the Bible because it shows that racism, we don't believe this because we know changes have come into the Bible. But it's clear from the Bible also that he was not sent for the Gentiles. But Paul brought about this change. And he said, no, Jesus is sent to everybody, to the and the non-Jews, and wherever, wherever Chinese, whatever, whoever they are. This was a change brought by Paul. So basically, what Christians have is basically the teachings of Paul. The first one being, you, no matter what wrongs you do, Practice and deeds is not the main thing. You don't have to do good deeds. You just believe that Jesus died for your sins and you have the kingdom of heaven. This is not the teachings of Isa alayhi salatu wasalam, but this was brought about by Paul. The second change, and the, 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 the second thing that he did was, he changed the system. Isa alayhi salam came for Bani Israel. He said no, he came for the whole world. So basically, their apostle or prophet who they believe in and whose religion they follow is number one. Paul. The second change came in was from a Roman king, and his name was Constantine. And this is 300 years after Isa alayhi salam. So the year is approximately 314, and uh, this Roman king, his name was Constantine. The Romans were basically idolaters. They worshipped idolatry. They believed in different beliefs. They were not monotheists. And what happened to them was, uh, they were not Christian at all. And obviously the king had many, probably, mistresses and wives. So his son Constantine, Constantine's mother was a Christian. So she grew him up upon Christianity. So this is also the effect of the mother. And anyway, now when he grows up as a Christian, and he does become the king, of the Roman Empire, he now has the Romans and he has the Christians, and he's a Christian. So he wants to converge the two. So he had, a, so he started the system from 314. And by the time 325 somewhat, this is after Isa salam, he had a meeting in Nicaea, that's a town not far from Constantinople. Constantinople is named after him. And in this meeting, he had called the scholars he wanted to, and he then, also there was a debate too, as far as belief in one God and a triune God. So there was a great man who is alluded to in the seerah as Aryus, rahimahullah. He advocated belief in monotheism, oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the others who spoke about Trinitarianism, because they were backed by Constantine, they won that debate, and that became the doctrine of Christianity. So belief in three gods became the belief of Christianity 300 years after Isa alayhi And the motive of Constantine here was to bring together all his uh, subjects, because he had the Romans, and 
they had these beliefs of idolatry and paganism. So to bring the two together, he believed in three gods, you know, three and so forth and so forth and so forth. So a lot of, lot of the practices that Christians carry out up to today was due to uh, Constantine. For example, they believe one is three, three is one that comes from there. And also uh, the Sunday, because up to up till that time, the day of prayer of the Muslims of the time, Jews were the Muslims of the time, the Banu Israel, the children of Yaqub alayhi salam, the special day was Sabt, the Saturday, the Sabbath they call it. Allah gave the Ummah of Muhammad وسلم, the Jumu'ah, the most meritorious day. But Constantine, to unify between all his subjects, he made the Sunday, it was the day they used to gather to worship the sun, the Romans, he made that day the holy day. And basically he took paganism and Christianity and made it one. And that's where December came. Because December was the day of people like the Vikings and people in the, the, the cold areas. Because this was the pinnacle of the winter months. And it was like an end to the winter and the arrival of the sun. So basically, it was celebrating the arrival of the sun, not S-O-N, but S-U-N. And he converged and convulged the two and made that. And but, you know, that's the birth of Christ, which was obviously uh, a fabrication and a fallacy brought into the teachings of Hazrat Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. That's why Allah Ta'ala mentions, Israel. And this is in Surah uh, Hadid, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Hazrat Isa alayhi salatu wasalam's efforts and his followers. And bring Iman upon his Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah will give you double the reward, great amounts, great shares of, of the reward from His mercy. That you will move and travel and, and walk with Allah's nur, and Allah will forgive you. Then the verse at the end says, That Ahlul Kitab must know that they are not in control of Allah's favor. Now, this verse is very interesting. And before I complete this verse, which is the last verse in this chapter, Hadith, look at the verse there before that in verses 27. We sent Anbiya one after the other. Then we sent Hazrat Isa salam, and we gave him the Injil. And we placed in the hearts of those who followed him mercy and compassion. Then this, this, this practice of denouncing the world totally, it's something that they brought about themselves. When they brought about those things, but then they did not fulfill the rights of it. So they said, we'll do something for and they, did, they didn't fulfill it. And those who fulfill and act correctly, Allah gave them a great reward. Then when they hear about Muhammad or they obviously now they have to believe in Muhammad Allah says, now bring Iman on Muhammad like you brought Iman on Isa and Allah will give you a double, a great reward, double fold. So we have to show these verses in Hadid to the Christian people out there in the world. Like 
the verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Hazrat Isa alayhi salam prophesying Muhammad sallallahu alayhi salam. Hazrat Isa alayhi salam clearly says to his people, he mentions to them, this is in Surah Al-Saf, chapter 61, where it qala Isa ibn Maryam. And remember when Hazrat Isa alayhi salam said, Ya Bani Israel, inni Rasulullah ilaykum. I am Allah's messenger to you. Musaddiq al to confirm the teachings before me of the Torah and to give you good news. That's why Rasulullah said, I am the glad tidings, I am the, the, the dua of Hazrat Ibrahim, and a da'wah to Abi Ibrahim. And I am the good news given to you already by Isa alayhi salam. And also I am the fulfillment of the dream that my brother, my mother saw. And Nabi Salaam's mother, even before he came, Allah brought him into this world, she saw this dream. And then when he came into this world, she saw the nur emanating from her stomach, where the lands of Sham also was brightened right before her very eyes. But explicitly, Hazrat Isa says, I'm here to give you good news about a messenger after me whose name will be Ahmad. And then when Ahmad came to them with clear signs, they said, Oh, this is clear cut magic. But this is in the Quran Kareem, but it's also in the books that they have. For example, in the chapters John, and I'm mentioning this to you so you can also remember and mention this to your Christian friend and associate. Mention to them about uh, about uh, December and about Christmas and so forth, and mention to them the reality that Hazrat Isa salam said to his followers, "There are many things that I want to say unto you, but you cannot bear them right now. But when he, some translation says, the Spirit of Truth, the Man of Truth, the Farqalit, when he is come, he will share with you all that is good." And the verses continue. Christians very conveniently say, oh, this is uh, the Holy Spirit. But we ask the Christians, wasn't the help of Allah in the form of the angel there with Isa salam? Basically, wasn't the Holy Spirit there with Jesus? They say, yes, 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 he was there with Jesus, helping him. Allah sent the malaika to help Hazrat Isa salam. So then we ask them that you saying that the angel or the Holy Spirit was there with Isa salam, and this verse is saying that it's expedient for you that I go because if I go not he will not come so this cannot refer to the Holy Spirit as you say it refers to another person and he is the final Nabi of Allah not only prophesied in John but prophesied throughout the Bible and show them this verse of the Quran Kareem in Surah 61 and respected Ummah Acquire this habit of looking up what the Quran Kareem says. So beautiful to learn lessons, to draw lessons, and build our ta'alluq with ulama. So we keep on asking them, and we acquire this knowledge of the deen of Allah Ta'ala and uh, of the Quran Kareem. And if Mawlana Sahib uh, allows me, Hazrat Mawlana? Chi, I'm with you. Chi, Mawlana Mufti Sahib wants to discuss a little bit about the Safar etiquettes as well. Oh, Allah reward you for that opportunity. Gigi, I'd love to mention that because people generally travel. While we are traveling also, let's introspect over the greatness of Allah. Let's travel with etiquette. Let's, if we are traveling, I'm not saying you must travel, but if we are traveling, follow the etiquettes of travel. It's beautifully, the hadith of travel or the etiquettes of travel is beautiful in Allama Nawi rahimahullah's Riyadh al-Swaliheen, you can look into the du'as of travel and so forth. 
But one pertinent dua when it comes to travel is mentioned in Surah Zukhruf, subhanAllah. And what an amazing chapter, because Surah Zukhruf means the embellishments of this world, the decoration of this world. And in this chapter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions how valueless this world is, that all the things of this world is worldly. And if it wasn't for the believer losing his iman, Allah would have given every, every, every disbeliever palatial palaces of gold and silver, their homes, their roofs, their doors, their locks would have been the ultimate pleasures of this world because all of it can't give pleasure. And every day when you talk to people politely, they'll tell you, it's so nice. People drive nice cars, this, that, this, that. But when you sit them down and explain to them, don't abruptly tell them. Tell them, but you know what? You can have all the cars in the world. You can have the most comfortable life. People who have it, but they don't have Allah in them. Their hearts are aching. They're living miserable lives. They're still looking for happiness. They're still looking for the kick. They're still looking for that pleasure. And the the goal the, the goal post is distance from them, and they're going further and further and hankering. So if we have all these things that we don't have Allah, life is still a misery. But we don't have any of these things that we have Allah in our life. That is real bliss. And even if we have, but we have Allah, then we realize that what we had is a test and we use it for Allah. We have to explain this to people. Even the impoverished local people of our country, talk to them, explain to them. And also, make the ikram, uplift them, uplift the society. Anyway, this chapter speaks of the embellishments of this world. And in this surah, there's an ayah, verses number 13. Allah Ta'ala mentions, 12 and 13, Allah is that being who created every type of thing. And Allah Ta'ala granted you ships and cattle and camels that you may ride on. Camels, they would ride on that in the past. And Allah gave us other modes of transport. As mentioned in the Quran, Allah Ta'ala says Allah will create Modes of transport that you don't know about yet. In this verse, verse 13 says, Allah says that you embark on these modes of transport. When you get onto your vehicle, your mode of transport, remember the favor of your Lord when you embark onto it. When you embark into your vehicle, remember Allah, that this is Allah's privilege. And Allah's favor, who has blessed me with this mode of transport. It's not my know-how, my capability, my earnings, my achievements. Then the ayah says, وَتَقُولُوا And the purpose of this vehicle Allah gave you is لِتَقُولُوا So that you may utter these words. There's so much of emphasis in these words that I'm going to share with you now. And you know these words, I'm sure. If you see the context of the verse, not وَتَقُولُونَ and you will say وَتَقُولُوا connected to لِتَقُولُوا so that you must say the purpose of these bounties is actually the remembrance of Allah and what dua Allah Ta'ala teaches us to say here in the Quran Kareem وَتَقُولُوا سُبْحَانَ الَّذِي سَخَّرَ لَنَا هَذَا وَمَا كُنَّا لَهُ مُقْرِنِينَ وَإِنَّا إِلَى رَبِّنَا لَمُنْقَلِبُونَ so that you must say Allah, Subhan, my Allah is perfect. My Allah is pure. My Allah is free from every blemish. Allah, you made this conveyance subservient and available to me. 
I am not in control of it. وما كنا له مقدمين. I am not in control of it at all. So we're getting into, a man can be getting into his brand new car, serviced, everything up to date. But what the dua is saying? Allah, you are perfect, not the car, not the means of this world, not the money that will take me. Allah, you are perfect. Subhanallah. You made this conveyance available to me. Sometimes we think, you know, such a car, I'm definitely going to reach there. I got a first class ticket or whatever it is. We're learning in this dua, Allah, you are perfect, not the first class ticket, not the latest technological flight. Allah, I'm not in control of this vehicle. You are in control. A man can lose control of his vehicle, his driving, he can be the most cautious and most experienced driver, but something can still go wrong if Allah will. And see what the dua says in verses 14. There's so much of emphasis in this. And verily, to our Lord alone, see the emphasis in this is the verse is not just saying, and we're returning to our Lord. What is, we're returning to our Lord is something so expressive here because we think we're going somewhere, some destination, some exotic place. The ayah of the Quran is telling us our return is to our Lord. So we actually being reminded of the ultimate destination. And the emphasis in the verse, it doesn't just say, and this is understood in Arabic, that we're returning to our Lord. To our Lord alone, we are certainly returning. That's the literal translation, that in Arabic, there's so much of emphasis in the fact that Allah, we are coming to you, make it easy for us. And this is what it is. Travel with etiquette. Travel with respect. Don't cause the grief to people. There's other du'as you will see in the Riyadh Salihin there, subhanAllah. And Allahumma inna nas'aluka fi sakarina hadha al-birra wa taqwa. Travel with your Qur'an Sharif. Read Qur'an wherever you go. Travel with the Riyadh Salihin. Make ta'aleem, fada'il al-a'mal with our families. And if you're staying somewhere, make ikram of people, your neighbors, your friends. Seize the opportunity to share Islam. Carry some literature. And Allah's fadl, wherever you go, you make friends with somebody, you spoke to people, your wife will invite the ladies to Islam or make their ikram, send some food next door. And then after that, you send some literature for them to know. A simple booklet you can get, it's easily available, just one message, easily available. Or a brief illustrated guide to understanding Islam. Carry a few translations of the Quran Kareem. So our intention is Allah, how can we show people who you are through this travel of this world and also keep our control of our temper, our emotions, because travel also can expose the reality of a person, and that's what suffer means. It exposes one's reality. So keep cool, keep calm, be respectful, show akhlaq of a Muslim that people must get closer to Allah. You're stopping somewhere at the airport, offer people, make ikram of people. There's barakah, and there's khayr in that. Jazakumullah, Hazrat for the opportunity. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyil umid. Rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin. Marcus Sahaba, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jamaah.